James, I have a problem, and I'm hoping that we can talk it through, because it's really been on my mind. And then today, you actually pressed the issue. So I have this library, SQLite.net, and it's... I've heard of it. Yeah, okay. And it's kind of old. use it. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out I, a lot I've of used, people use it. <laughs> I, I've used... So, okay, we're going to be talking about the official SQLite-net. This is very oh, important, yes. right? Okay. Because, first, can you maybe talk about the history of this package? Mm-hmm. Because I actually... I was I actually go on to your issues from time to time and seeing that you you do link to the nougat for the install this is sqlite-net-pcl yeah that is the package name yes and the title is sqlite-net official portable library <laughs> yes which uses sqlite pcl raw right this is what we're talking about here this is what we're talking about and wow that sounds confusing so let, let's get the official statement on the record here so, forever ago, I wrote this library called SQLite-Net. Very poorly named because it's a .NET wrapper for SQLite, but whatever. Went with that name, SQLite-Net. And this is in the early, early days, pre-Nougat, pre-anything. And so, I literally, oh, yeah. I released this library. Actually, it was hosted on Google Code. That's how old it was. <laughs> and I released it as just a single file, C-sharp file. And you just plop this into your project, and now you have database access. That was the magic of it. Mm-hmm. Times were good, but times have changed, and people want packages, and they want them to be pre-compiled, and they want them to work on every platform, and no code editing or any of that stuff. And so, unfortunately, I was a little slow to the uptake. <laughs> I didn't release a NuGet package for SQLite for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And what happened was other helpful people in the community started releasing packages because Frank wasn't doing it, so they they picked up the slack. The problem was they were all releasing forks, and I was getting support emails for their forks. I didn't know what their forks were doing. Their forks diverged from my code base so much that I couldn't merge back into it anymore, so they were really separate projects at that point. And so this whole chaos ensued. So what happened was I made the official package. So this is the one coming from my repository that I build, that I upload. It's as official as it gets in that I create it. But there are all these other ones hanging around too. That's that's yeah. It's very it's it's very confusing. And honestly, like I have used this package for six years. So this uh, SQLite, I used the original file, which is actually how I (laughs) how I I knew you when we met at a Xamarin drink up a long time ago because i remember seeing kruger systems inc i believe mm. and uh in the file name because it was a file that you would just add and and magically on ios and android you'd have sql light support and you're like this is the most amazing thing ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i know how to use sql sql and i can create databases and meetup manager the very first one ever that i used yeah uh, app i ever created used it and then actually monkey uh, monkey cash uses it as an option and a bunch of other things almost every app that i use has your package in it now i will <laughs> say there, there was you're right there's a complexity in time with not only packaging of nougats but also transitions to pcl transitions yeah. to net standard right. transitions to to android <laughs> creating difficulties because okay if people don't know we'll roll this back is um, often when these would go to PCL, you'd want to store files in different locations. So people created these forks and you'd have to install multiple versions. They didn't know how to package nougats correctly. And then, and then what would happen, uh, is, uh, Android came out and they said, Hey, you're no longer allowed to use the SQLite library that we ship. 
with right. the platform. Oh my god, I forgot mm-hmm. about that even happening. That was such that was such a disaster. <laughs> oh yeah. I because um this was during a period I forget what, but I just wasn't working on SQLite. And what I had was a bunch of Xamarin people emailing me like, Frank, 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 the, the world is falling apart. Everything is ending. Mm-hmm. Hail Discordia. <laughs> and just like, <laughs> um, so it took me a while to actually wrap my head around that. And that's when I actually decided, uh, to split my library. So in the past, the, the real crux of this library was that the earliest versions of Xamarin iOS called Monotouch back then did not have ADO.net, the database stuff in .net, none of it. And so my library wasn't just a high-level interface to the database. It was also a low-level interface to it, a very raw access. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it still has that, actually, on iOS and a few other places. But for the most part, I tried to discourage people from using that. And instead, I switched to another library by Eric Sink called uh, SQLite Raw. And the beautiful thing about Raw is it's just a low-level access to SQLite. So it's just the SQLite API. But Eric takes care of making it work on all the platforms. And if you have ever seen his build system and the scripts that generate it and all the problems and conflicts and version numbers and custom builds he has to deal with, it's amazing. And uh, so I owe a great debt to him uh, for taking on that burden. Yeah. And what's kind of crazy about this, too, is yeah, SQLite Raw itself supports Xamarin Android, iOS, UWP, Windows Phone 8.1, uh, .NET 4.5, .NET 4.0, .NET 3.5, Linux, Mac OS, .NET Standard 1.1, Windows Phone 8, Windows Phone 8.1 Silverlight. <laughs> um, and there's even a pull request for watchOS support, which is bananas, because he basically implements SQLite itself. That is that, is that correct? Actually, it's even more complex than that. So for some platforms and some configurations, he'll use the built-in one. So on iOS, for example, it'll use the built-in one. Unless you ask for something like encryption support. The built-in one doesn't support encryption. So for that, and in fact, that's a weird case. I don't think he does a custom build for that because encryption is a sensitive thing where you want signed builds and such. You, you want to make sure there's no backdoors into it. So I think even that's a, even a more third-party one. But he'll do custom builds for Android and perhaps even UWP. I'm not even sure what the UWP story is. Yeah, I'm looking here and there's this idea of providers, right? So there's a SQL Cipher provider, a Xamarin one to actually use Monodata SQLite, which is so funny <laughs> right. on Android because we do ship that and, and, and that works too. But mm-hmm. anyway, so this is a very <laughs> old. old, complex, and trusted ah, yeah. library. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I trust it for yeah. all of my applications. And so. honestly, that, that trust is a burden, to be honest. Um, I am so afraid to break anything in this library. And I'd, I don't know if people can quite understand that when you have a lot of people depending on you. Unit tests don't do you justice because a unit, unit tests never capture 100% of behavior, even if you have 100% of code coverage. They don't cover behavior because there's interweavings of function calls. But... <laughs> I am so afraid to make any change in it because I just think that I'm going to break 10,000 people the moment I try to change anything. And so that brings me up to the current problem, the topic of this episode. I have a new version of the library, 1.5, all set to go. It's been sitting in beta and NuGet forever, but I've been really hesitant to pull the trigger on it. And that's because there are no significant API changes, but there are 
is a significant behavioral change, and it worries the heck out of me. Okay, so the API will be exactly the same. Actually, I added to it. It it, it grew up quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and all right. So if I if I just so here becomes the thing, right? So it's not a that that's actually interesting because we're we try to use Simver. Yeah. Uh, inside of our nougat, I try to follow that the best. And if people don't know what Simver is, essentially think of that major release one dot like one dot one dot one. That's how I kind of think of it. <laughs> yeah. Is the three? There is a fourth technically, but I don't use that. Yeah. Um. But there's that's like a build number or whatever. It doesn't matter. But one, the major one, that's major. So if I go from version one to version two, that means that there's literally breaking changes. Or the changes are so significant that you should be cautious about upgrading if, like, you know, you should read some yeah. stuff. The I, second number is, like, adding a feature or adding, mm-hmm. like, a <laughs> adding a feature. Not necessarily that it's a breaking change, but it's adding something or tweaking some change in functionality. And then the mm-hmm. last one is a bug fix. Right. Is a bug fix. Yeah. So that's the idea. So I'm not releasing a 2.0 because although in my mind this... Uh, this change, and we'll get into it, is big. It's not an API change. And if I did my job right, then no one will even notice the change. (laughs) What I'm worried about is, you know, people definitely notice changes. So semantic versioning. I'm starting to have my doubts about it. But yeah, we're all sticking with it for now, at least. Yeah, it's it's very tricky. And honestly, I'm running into the same exact thing. Um, A little bit different, though, I will say, because... Even this morning, I was working on in one of my plugins, my geolocator plugin, which happens to be, if I pull up my nugget right now, um, and what's interesting about the geolocator plugin is it's very similar to your code, but in a different way. Hmm. This was originally part of Xamarin.mobile, which I then converted over into a, into a PCL cross-platform library, and then I've iterated, added features, and done a lot since there. This is probably my, let's see, um, yeah, my fifth it's, most popular nougat. So yeah. um, just remind me of the API. This is basically tell me the current location and that's about it? Or is it trying to do more fancy things? Uh, no, it, it's it's get, get location async. Uh, you can mm-hmm. get the cache location. You mm-hmm. can see if location is enabled or disabled. And you can okay. also listen for changes in the background. Okay, so you do have an event stream, too, so people can tie into that and get high-frequency updates. Okay, yes, sounds like exactly. a good library. Yeah, especially if you're writing a Xamarin Forms app and you want location. Sounds like everyone should be using it. So, yeah. what, what's your problem? What, 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 let's start with what version are you on and what version do you want to be on and why aren't you on it? <laughs> so, I am currently on version 4.0. So I got to look. I don't even know. 4.2. Oh, that's Simber. <laughs> well, you've changed it a lot. Version 4, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I, I introduced, so when I updated everything to .NET Standard, I removed some platform support, and I just, oh, I, yeah. I I did a major release on everything. So I said, it's go time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that- And that, I want to, yeah, go that, ahead. That major version number, that basically means we're allowed to break anything. I really see it as a whole different library. That's why I didn't want to release a SQLite 2. I didn't want to give the impression yeah. that this is like a rewrite or anything like yeah. that. It's basically the same API. I agree with that. And that's how I'm really trying to follow it because I even have change release. I have like change logs. I have all this different information in there. 
And, um, and like sometimes when I bump, like, so from 4.1 to 4.2, I bumped my dependencies. And I think, I think I'm like, well, you're, That's you're going to have to update other stuff, you know? So I've been wanting to go to 5.0 and again, guess, guess what, uh, the culprit is <laughs> Android. Of, um, it's always it Android. 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 Is it so like what I think of Android, I think it's perfect in a snapshot of time. So right now, if you're coding against the Android APIs, they're glorious. The problem is in one year, they change something, right? This is usually a problem of the operating system just mercilessly moving forward. Is that right? They change something or they 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 create a brand new, better version and they oh, put that in it. a separate library. Mm-hmm. Oh, huh. Yeah, separate. And that's only supported on three phones, right? Or yeah. is it or generally supported to, everywhere? <laughs> or you have to install some other package, right, to get to get it. So okay. the, the change here, the change here is that for a long time, Google has recommended if you're on a official Google phone, not an official Google phone, but an official Android phone that has Google Play services, that you use the Google Play services location API, which is different from the API built into Android. So Android has an API to get the location, but it's not really optimized. They stopped evolving mm-hmm. it because they put it into Google Play. This will use Wi-Fi. It'll use all of the sensors and caching and all this crazy different data to get the location. And the API is completely different. And I also have to realize that there's people that may be shipping in China uh, or on Amazon devices that don't have Google Play. <laughs> but this is an esen- essential change because the speed and the battery performance is like night and day between oh, the two. really? It's that bad oh, in yeah. the old version? And that's too bad because I specifically always test my Android stuff on a Kindle device because maybe I'm even out of date. But as far as I knew, they weren't a Google Play device. Like, can they They're access? They're not, no. Right. So I, I like that distinction because I figure if I can get it to work on this Android device, then there's at least a small chance it'll work on a Chinese device or something, something completely divorced from the normal yeah. Google community. And that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good, good thing. And actually, to be honest with you, I don't even have, I don't even have a device that, that doesn't have Google Play on it, to be honest with you. So I need to probably get one. Pro tip, um, Amazon sells these like kids, (laughs) kids tablets. They're less than a hundred dollars. They come with a bumper. They're indestructible. They're kind of slow as dirt. The screen isn't that great, but they have an awesome warranty plan on them. (laughs) And it's just, you know, like you get get a six pack of them. They're just great little devices to have for testing. Frustratingly slow, but in a good way, a good test device. Cheap and yes. new. I'm looking at it right here. Well, actually, you know what? You can get a you can get a yeah, two pack for 150 bucks. I'll link to these. <laughs> so they have like all sorts of old ones. Yeah, for under a hundred, they actually have a Fire Seven Inch. Exactly for forty nine ninety nine. Right. Yeah, you can't I mean, argue with that. Yeah, so you get a brand new device with a warranty and use that for dev. And nothing really beats a, it. Yeah. That is a that is crazy. So here's okay, the problem. So, okay. So you have the a library is, and you're deciding whether to change your dependency or are you going to add to the dependency? Are you going to have two, like the old API and the new API, or are you going to just switch to the new API? Ta-da, that is the conundrum, right? So <laughs> actually... So actually, I have a uh, a switch so you can so it'll automatically detect if you, if your device has Google Play services and use the new API. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then it'll fall back to the other one or you can override it and say always use the old API. 
Woo, yeah, this is definitely a mature library when you start having underlying engine switches. Yeah, uh, multiple, but I can't... multiple engines. <laughs> yes, and and Frank, hold on one second. Mm? And breaking changes to the API because <sighs> yeah, the new APIs require asynchronous in other properties. So I used to have a boolean that said is GPS enabled, but in the new Android API, there's no possible way to get that non-asynchronously so see i have have to to lock a thread or do something yeah Mm -hmm. and you i don't want to lock those threads it's always dangerous locking one of the operating systems threads because you could assume that they're all using background threads but every so often they'll put it on the ui thread and then you're locking against the ui and you can create deadlocks so yeah switching from an async to a synchronous api is always dangerous so i agree with you for your hesitancy there and i think you definitely earn that 5.0 this is definitely a major change to the api now um Again, um, end-to-end decision-making here. I don't think you need to have that synchronous API. I think it's fine just to to have an async one. I think you lose fancy things like data binding, but you can add caches for that and other kind of trickeries. Yeah, and this one, you know, it's it's interesting because... I've been debating 5.0 and there's been a pre-release beta for five months. Um, um, and I'm laughing, but I think that's how old mine is. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, people have installed it. So I have at the peak, I mean, about a thousand installs of the current version. So like, that's pretty, I don't know what that means, right? How many people yeah. are using it? But, um, you know, so that's the thing is I released a new version today. I'm very excited about it. I didn't do anything but updated documentation and updated nougats. Yeah. But um, it's also very tricky because I don't really know how it's going to work with Xamarin Forms because it re- relies on a very new version of Google Play. And like, I'm very scared because there's so many dependencies. So oh. I don't know what to do. You're talking about like the Android support libraries and all those other Android ones. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, you and I have had to dive in and you've had to give me quite a lesson on Xamarin Forms dependency chain. And if you've ever looked at its NuGet package and the Android dependencies, it's amazing the support libraries it includes. And even more interesting is um, the version matches. If you see all their dependency rules in uh, NuGet.org, it's kind of hilarious seeing exactly which Android libraries they have to import so it is quite complex so i feel your pain it is and guess what there's new ones so (laughs) get ready of course (laughs) (laughs) all right so before we talk about all the shenanigans let's take a quick break and decompress our mind from our nougat madness and thank our amazing sponsor this week yet again our very very good friends dear friends of the show you know them you love them i use them in my application it's our good friends over at Syncfusion. frank how many times have you been developing applications Oh, like daily. I, I try to do about 10 a day. I mean, just, about just to keep my muscles strong. Yeah. Now, how often are you building an application and you're like, man, I wish that this control existed, but it doesn't. Yeah. So I have to go create it. That's about every other line of code. Every line of code that I write, I get frustrated. Why am I writing this code? <laughs> Hasn't James written well, this for me yet? <laughs> exactly. Well, what if I told you that our good friends over at Syncfusion have solved all of your problems? I'd be so happy. Well, guess what? Our good friends over at Syncfusion have solved all of your problems. In fact, not only just for Xamarin development, for all sorts of development. ASP.NET Core, I know Frank's all about that. Uh, I can't help but to write at least two of those 10 projects are a website. (laughs) WPF, I know you still got some apps sitting around. You worked on the platform. Um, I have a build server. WinForms, they got everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Syncfusion is amazing. They can 
they continue to offer the largest sets of tools for Xamarin and .NET developers on the market. They have over 850 components and products from big data, reporting, dashboards, data integrations, charts, graphs, data grids, PDF, Excel, Word, you name it, they basically have it. And the Xamarin stuff is awesome because it's a cross-platform API for Xamarin Forms too. And in fact, as our listener James from the UK wrote in, he says, their big wins that I use all the time are their grids. They're so customizable. Their diagramming control is the only one out there. And on a daily basis, no one wants to rewrite an Excel Word or PDF reader writer because Sync Fusion has it all built in. So Frank, you're saying like this must cost what a million dollars? Or two million at least. At least two million dollars. Nay. Frank, no. Nay. What if I told you that they have a free community edition? I'd say you're living in the 18th century and that's awesome. <laughs> they have a free community edition, just like Visual Studio, right? If you're making under a million dollars a year, boom, you can drag and drop all of their great components into your application. So you're saying, Frank, where can you learn more? Ask me, where can you go and get this stuff? Where can I personally learn more? Because I do need controls. <laughs> I need to stop yes. rewriting all these things. <laughs> you can go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn about all of the different products and specifically the ones on Xamarin, if you're working on those or anything else. And if you go ahead and start using Syncfusion, go ahead and send them a little email right into them. Say, hey, I listen and I, and I heard on uh, Syncfusion on Merge Conflict. We would love you and they would love us. So thank you again to Syncfusion for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Syncfusion. Yeah. All right. That was, that was a great ad read, by the way. That might be the best <laughs> ad read that I've ever done in my life. We um, can take a traveling road show. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was pretty good. Um, so, so, yeah. So, said, what are you going to do? What are you well, going to do? You've had yours uh, in beta. Let, let's finish your story real fast, though. You, yeah. You've been sitting in beta for five months. When are you releasing? Give me confidence. Tell me you're releasing today. Uh, I released uh, a new beta today. update. Um, <laughs> Great. So... <laughs> <laughs> so just so, to be clear, if you're not familiar with Nougat out there, I think most people who listen are, but we can we have what's called the pre-release channel. And I don't know the stats, how many people are actually look at the pre-release channel, but basically until we release something, it doesn't show up into the main channel. So we yeah. hold all our good stuff in the pre pre-release. <laughs> yeah, and that way we can essentially say, hey, you know, you have a bug fix. I push that out in a pre-release. And in fact, what's interesting is I'll have multiple pre-releases going on at the same time so mm. i'll have a version 5 pre-release and a version 4 pre-release and my stable is for so there's like multiple things happening i have forks and branches yeah so um that allows me to essentially have a 5.0 which is in its own branch it's completely mm -hmm. secluded from master <laughs> and uh, like a good developer um and uh i'm releasing from that branch you know from at mm -hmm. so it kind of makes my life happy now i my goal here frank is mm -hmm. this month i'm going to okay. are you I'm waiting on android are you waiting on something or is it you just got to put more time in i feel as though i was so i was waiting so back in november the problem was that all of the new apis were also pre-release packages from the xamarin yeah. team from john oh. dickin team yeah that's a good excuse not to release yeah yeah so i'm like oh i'll release a pre-release with pre-release packages but now I asked John, and he's like, no, everything's stable. Like, you should probably yeah. go. And I'm like, ah, you know. Just just uh, another tip out there. If you are a library author, never have your released library link to a pre-release dependency. It creates all sorts of trouble in all the tooling world. Please just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, so that's my goal is this month. And what I need to do is I need to sit down. I'm, I'm going to literally order right now this $50 Kindle, ta- t- yeah, Kindle <laughs> tablet, mm-hmm. because I think that'll give me to validate my code. Some confidence. Uh, yeah. Some confidence. I'm going to expense this too. That sounds like a good nice. expense <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, to, to do. So, yeah. So I've been sitting on mine for about five months. And the reason is I have this behavioral change. And let me describe it to you. Uh, in the earliest versions of SQLite.net, it was always a synchronous API because it was released, guess what, before the async API was even created for anything mm. in .NET. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was a little slow to get its own async API. And even when I wrote it, it was always like the bad dirty cousin no one talks about (laughs) because I just didn't give it much love and its API kind of diverged from the synchronous API and all sorts of things like that happened. Well, that's me talking bad about it. But the truth was, and I didn't realize this, people love the async API. People love async. They just, they Mm -hmm. don't want to do anything synchronous now. And so I was really doing it. Why would you? Yeah. Well, for good reasons. Yeah. Um, database besides stuff. That, besides <laughs> that, Monkey Cash actually only uses the synchronous <laughs> API, and I was like, no, I'm not going to use the asynchronous one. <laughs> V1, there can be a V2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You desperately need it. Yeah. No, I don't want it. So, actually, it, SQLite, although it had this asynchronous API, it was doing something kind of funny in the background. It still only had one connection to your database. And mm. so, if I had five reads pending and two writes pending, then they would each take an exclusive lock on the database of mutex, mm-hmm. do their thing, release the lock, then the next person gets to do their thing, the next person, the next thing, the next thing. This is all good. I mean, the code works, but you're really losing a huge performance benefit of databases being that usually you can read multiple times at once. So if I want to do three different queries, technically, I should be able to do them all at the same time. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep, yep. And so I was really hesitant to implement this (laughs) because in the past, SQLite has given me a lot of trouble when trying to do multi-threaded access to it. My biggest fear is this exception it'll throw called busy. So you'll just, <laughs> you'll send it a command, a query or something, and it just gives you back busy. Like, well, it's like beach ball. It's a be- it, it, it's its version of beach ball. So, <laughs> it is, yeah. But you're just like, but what am I supposed to do? Like, am I supposed to retry then and all this? So they built actually into the API automatic retries with automatic timing on that. And no matter how you tune it, you're going to, it's going to be tuned wrong for your app. I mean, if I gave like a default tuning of it, it's just going to be wrong for other people. And so I've been really hesitant to open up the multi-threaded API. Mm. But then our good buddy, James Clancy, if anyone doesn't know, uh, this guy is, a let's call him a founding father of <laughs> iOS.net <laughs> programming because he's been around since the beginning and has created a lot of libraries and just knows everything. A really great programmer. So James says to me, Frank, I want to be able to do multiple reads at once. Stop whipping out. The database is capable <laughs> of it. Open it up. Just do it. And he even sent a patch in. He says, I've been running essentially this patch in my own fork of the code for years in this very popular app of his. He has, I think he, it's called G Music. It's a Google music player. I'm not sure if he still releases it or not, but it was a very yeah, popular does. app. Okay, cool. And um, that one uses SQLite very heavily, and he is a very performance-centric person. 
So he said, open it up. He sent me a PR. I merged the PR. And that's what's currently sitting in the pre-release. And I haven't released it because it it's... I'm I'm afraid of multi-threaded SQLite, pure, pure, and simple. <laughs> it's burnt me so much in the past. And the problem is the moment we enable this feature, uh, if you are a SQLite person, it's called wall, W-A-L, right ahead logging. And it's a way to allow all this stuff to happen at the same time. The problem mm. is once you convert a database to use wall, you can't go back. And so oh. if I release this thing, it's going to automatically upgrade everyone's database to wall. And once you go wall, you can't go back. Oh, my God, dude. What should I do? Help me. Just do it. Pull the trigger. Well, I oh mean, my God. <laughs> so, so you've obviously tested. So the thing with this scenario, right, is that you're going to have to you're going to have to be like me, right? Because at least for me, I only have to test Android because the underlying iOS and other platform changes are actually the same as the current stable. So like Mm -hmm. it actually only is breaking, well, it breaks the API for all the other platforms, but the functionality is only for Android, but I need to test on, I need to test on um, Android devices. I need to test on fire devices. I need to change my toggles. I need to make sure that Mm -hmm. like it works in all these different scenarios and, and have these test cases for you you need to test a clean install on every single operating system that yes. you support. And then you also need to <laughs> Not test... only that, it has to be a stress test. Like, these errors don't just pop up, you know. You have to be pounding on the database. So it's a complicated test to write. Yeah. So then yeah. you also need to test the upgrade scenarios to make sure that, you know, it's essentially, remember when the iPhone... And um, Apple and Mac, I think they did too. They changed the entire file store. Does there language oh, yeah. change file store on file every device? <laughs> yeah, file system. File system. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. insane too that they're doing that. Uh, I think they've already done it to every iOS device. I'm not sure if they're forcing it through on every Mac yet. But what a change to rewrite the entire file system! Oh my god, yep. it, it gives me nightmares just thinking about it. And they kind of did it flawlessly. So that's going to oh, be your They're challenge. good engineers. I don't like, I guess I'm having the imposter syndrome. Like, am I a good enough engineer to like release this thing on the world? I feel like if I was 25, I'd just be like, release it and just be like, whatever, people, if it breaks your app, too bad. But now I'm just like, I don't want to break anyone's apps. I don't want to be the cursed name. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that question really comes down in this conversation is the thing that I'm struggling with too is, we are in this bubble. We're in a bubble of we're this library developer. We create these libraries. We actually have no idea about anyone that's using it very much besides people it's that give true. us issues. Yeah. And we don't know if anyone's tested. It. I mean, we, we know that there's installs, but we don't know was it successful? Was it not successful? Like, right. where is the feedback channel? And I think this is actually like a really big problem, not only for us, but I think for the entire ecosystem, whether it's CocoaPods or something um, uh, with any other repository, right? That you put this out in the wild and you just expect developers to give feedback. But what happens when you're on version 2, 5, 10, and people are updating their apps from seven years ago to use this, right? right. I mean, that becomes the actual struggle. So the question is, have you have you reached out to anybody? Because my, my first thing, my first next thing to do is to one, go into our Discord channel and ask all of our Patreons, our patrons, <laughs> to test this out, to test out the geolocator, yeah. see if they're using the current version, see if they want to upgrade. Like, are you, did, did you get the same results, right? I think that's the right. thing is like, have you run it or whatever? And then 
go out and to Twitter and say, hey, can you test this out, right? But there's no there's no NuGet feedback. There's no GitHub feedback that I can like say, hey, can you do this? Like this is, if anyone wants to create some great software, um, you know, website that would allow us to do this. Cause I don't want, I see that's the thing is I don't want a, I don't want a spreadsheet or a Google form or Microsoft form, right? No. Like survey. You want something I want nice, a proper s- website or survey. Exactly. Or, or some way of just getting this feedback channel, but it, it needs to be integrated into the stuff that we do on a daily basis, right? Like, it's like when I go into Visual Studio, there's that like little feedback button. Like, I almost want NuGet to like have a little feedback button thing, but not the feedback where it sends me an email. I don't know the context, right? I'm not, I, <laughs> you know, it, it's like even here on Zencaster right now, there's a help button. I'm scared to press it because I don't know what it does, but yeah, I'm pretty cool. sure it opens up that little like chat window, right? And I need right. that, like some channel of communication. So what is your co- channel of communication going to be before mm-hmm. you push it out? Or do you just push <laughs> it out? That's the question. Actually, you were just, uh, as a side topic, you were just making me think about how our contact with the community as library authors is basically through the issues, through the bug reports and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was making me think, I really don't mind it when people send me not bug reports, but just say like, hey, I enjoy using your library. I don't want to sound like I'm begging for compliments here, but if the library is working for you, it's okay to open an issue and be like, hey, this worked for me. Because you know what? They're easy to close, and it makes me feel better to know that like it's not all just doom and gloom that the library is falling apart. Mm-hmm. It's good to know it actually works under some scenarios. I assume but, that everybody hates my libraries, like right. every single one of them. <laughs> That's This is my assumption. I well, could be wrong. I, I don't know. I assume it doesn't work on anyone else's mission. Machine, but the very few people who actually got it to work, it crashed. That's usually there you go. What I assume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, but um, uh, how do I actually uh, test this thing? So what I've been doing is with this 1.5 that's under pre-release, I've been going through all the old bugs that I think it fixed, and I kind of backhandedly be like, "Does this still repro on 1.5?" And then if they write back and be like, "Oh, 1.5, yeah, it still repros on 1.5, or it works great on 1.5." Either way, that tells me whether um, the bug I'm actually worried about reproed for them. So in a very backhanded, sly means, I'm trying to get people to test 1.5 for me. And so far uh, from that anecdotal evidence, it's been okay. Tricky, huh? Got it. That is tricky. <laughs> yeah. But I think um, what you said, um, we probably should... I, I am in a somewhat privileged position to have followers on Twitter, so I probably should start abusing that power and beg people to test things for me. That, you, but you, you can't do that too often, I don't think. No. I mean, I think we bug people enough to listen to our podcast, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably the, uh, the issue there. But yeah, no, I think it's... Um, it's definitely something you have to do because there's probably people that, you know, are probably following you in general, just trying to get that, you know, feedback, I would say, and and, and want to chat yeah. with you. And so. on reflection now, how we're talking about channels for feedback, I guess Twitter is my best channel for feedback, aside from the bug reports we mentioned. So I, I do love getting little bits of feedback on there. It's like the light version of email. Better than so what, email. So what's so what's your time frame? When are you gonna ship it? What's the look the, are you gonna the, give yourself the, a the, deadline? The truthy truth here is I've just been sitting so I could ponder it, and it sounds like I just need to release this puppy and suffer the repercussions. The good news is this is just software. So even though I convert everyone's databases to wall, I can't take that back. That will happen. 
if there is a bug, then the bug is going to be mine. I can't assume the bug is going to be in the wall implementation. So if something bad happens, mm. I'm basically just going to have to be on guard and ready to fix it. And I, I think, think it's that commitment that I've been actually afraid mm-hmm. of. <laughs> what you need to do, and here's an important thing. So <clears throat> when I release a new version of a NuGet, people will think that there's a change in functionality. They see a new bug, but it's really not. Or, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. like sometimes in NuGet, when you upgrade everything, like you really need to do a clean and rebuild to really clean out your cache. So That's people true. are like, oh, I rolled back. So maybe <laughs> what's probably important, maybe that you might want to do is you can add a readme.txt file. You know about this, right? Uh, I hate these things, but sure, continue. So you can do it just for this version that they install. So when you create a readme.txt file, you have to add it into your new spec. But when they install your NuGet or upgrade to the NuGet, it will open and it will tell them very important information. So what you may want to tell them is, hey, once you install this, you can't roll back to an older version or else it won't work. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. And actually, I when I was dissing them for a second there, do people still say diss? I, I do. Um, yeah, sure. I was, I was thinking that they got added to your project tree. But as long as they don't get added to your project tree, that's cool. So it's just like a release notes then. Yes, it is a... Okay. It is It is not... It, it's, it's a very special, special, special mm-hmm. file. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and link to uh, what it looks like in the new spec here. Yeah, um, specifically thanks. in my geolocator plugin, but it yeah. is just, it doesn't have a target and Visual Studio and Visual Studio for Mac just know to open this file when the NuGet is installed or upgraded. Now, if the, the, the tricky part here is that if let's say monkey cache updates to mm-hmm. your new version mm-hmm. and I depend on your project, it won't open yours. Like it's only if okay. they update yours specifically, but that's probably what people are going to do, but it's totally worth adding it. And Mm -hmm. what I usually do is I tell people in that file, very specific things like dependencies. So I don't add it for every NuGet, but for instance, I have it in um, ones where you need to set up like the current activity, or you need to add an override somewhere like, Hey, you need to literally do this or it's not going to work. And adding this file probably has cut down on the number of inquiries in my library. Cause a lot of people just think you install a NuGet and it just works. They're like, Oh, here you go. Right. But sometimes you got to do some stuff. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, actually, so. I, I, I'm definitely going to do what you're suggesting. And I want to give a shout out to you, even though you're t- talking to you. Uh, you. Those directions have actually been really great. Uh, because a lot of these cross-platform libraries, in the end, kind of require this init function in order to for us to do our little background magic and get everything set up the way we want. We kind of always need you to call at least one function for us. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of these cross-platform libraries have that. In, in case you people have seen that. Why Why does a stupid library need an init function? Trust me, we don't want to make you call an init function. It's our last resort, but sometimes we just need it to get the ball rolling. And so it's great to be able to just put that into your getting started, which I guess is really what this readme is sounding like. It's just yeah, it's, a getting started. It's like the emergency getting started readme. <laughs> it's like, this is really important. You should really read this. I know you're going to close it, but really, please, 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 please. <laughs> For the, maybe start with a joke. Oh, put some ASCII art at the top. 
Some, mm, something to go. get people hooked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And even though it's like, a, it's a text file, so it's not even a markdown file. So like I'll oh. put markdown <laughs> in it, but it is just a text file. So be it very doesn't aware. get rendered. <laughs> okay. No, no, not at all. Okay. Well, so. it's perfect for ASCII art then. Great. It's perfect for some ASCII cool art. Metallica logo and some <laughs> I don't know what else. Well, well, Frank, may I just honestly say, may the force be with you on this one. <laughs> um, I think, I think that, it's a competition. Who who will release yeah. first? Geolocation five or SQLite one point five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the one with the breaking change. It's funny too because I'll I'll release this the breaking change in a five and then people will create issues. They're like, my code no longer compiles, and I was like, because there's a breaking change, or like because the API well, see, change. <laughs> That's talk the about problem. bubbles. I feel like Semver is a bubble too. Like I yeah. don't think everyone completely grocks that when we change a major version, we're basically saying all bets are off. <laughs> yeah. I think yep. yeah. I guess I need to add that into the readme.txt when when there's a new chain. <laughs> like, hey, just so you know, the API has changed. You may want to go read the yeah. docs. So um yeah. That sounds I think a little passive aggressive, but sure. I know, but like is it bad? Maybe our listeners could tell us because Yeah, let is, us know. I would love to actually know if you want to reach out to us on mergeconflict.fm or on Twitter. If you're one of our patrons, you can you can chat at us in our Discord and let us know, like how do you like you you use if you use our libraries, which I know some of you do. Like how do you want this communication channel to be? How do you want to be informed about what's going yeah. on? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We have no idea. Yeah. We're just oblivious to anything. So I am totally digging this README though. So might have to I will, start yeah. employing it. I did. So there's a few things that I did before we wrap up the show is I've started a readme and I always have a change log file. Um, I'm very bad at updating the change log, but I feel yeah. as though now I, I just have it in my GitHub, right? So like when I fix a bug, I just say like, I fix this bug and I'll link or if someone does a pull request like, hey, you should update the readme or the change log to say that this is going to be in it. Um, only because I've had a lot of people open issues and they're like, what was in this update? Like you didn't tell yeah. me. And I don't like to put it in the NuGet because then it's just, I don't know, my NuGet's all, you know, I don't want it to be all messy. So, uh, no, and, and you don't want to put too much information into this readme file now that I think it through. If you just start spamming people with machine generated garbage, then that's too much. Like, yeah, don't, don't post to commit history. I, I'm of two minds. I love software that gives me a change log. I, I love reading change logs. I, find them fascinating but mm-hmm. my second mind is i hate writing change logs <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> it's a real problem and i'm sorry none of my software really has good change logs i i wish i could improve that part of even in engineering school they would always try to get us to do basically change logs and i stunk at it <laughs> yeah <laughs> always been a problem <laughs> yeah it's i don't know it's 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 whatever you pick is just you got to stick with it and mm-hmm. and just say this is how it's going to be so all right. Well, Frank, I want to say good luck. Uh, with, you, sir. And, and same with me. I hope that I can finish this. I want to do thank all of our patrons. We have a great uh, patronage happening over on patreon.com slash merge conflict. That's where you can support the show, not only by listening and telling your friends to subscribe, and that would be awesome, and leaving us reviews on iTunes. We haven't gotten any in a while, so if you want to um, do that. That'd be amazing. We would we would love you. That'd be phenomenal. Especially if you're a patron. If you, you're a patron, you really want to support the show even more than being a patron is leaving us a review because that helps us in the app store find new people. Um, but we've had some amazing new patrons. Uh, Dennis, Stefan, Derek, Simon, Russell, all new within the last week. Um, you join up. Um, we have multiple things. We're sending out our first rewards. I have a stack of envelopes going across the world with amazing mm. Merge Conflict stickers and pins. Frank doesn't even have tweet. any pins. 
Yes. No, they look so good, too. It's your new yes. logo. I love it. Yes, and all of our patrons will also not only get that, but I don't know if people know, but I, I started a um, I started a podcast network. I don't know if uh-huh. you know this, Frank. Um, and that's <laughs> three it was, podcasts. I know. I totally watch you, dude. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's uh, right now. There's three podcasts. We have a lot more coming on the way. So it's Soundbite.fm and uh, Soundbite. You'll see the logo now on on there. But Soundbite.fm. We're launching a full website um, pretty soon, and they'll also get some stickers and pins of Soundbite. And we have a really cool logo. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, there's uh, a f- other podcast. I do one with a uh, chess international master called Coffeehouse Blunders. And there's a new podcast called The V-Spot, which is a podcast by these awesome girls. It's a, They're both vegans, and they just talk about all awesome vegan and non-vegan stuff. It's very, uh, very awesome. They're uh, just a hoot to listen to. And that's right. I did say a hoot because I'm over 30. <laughs> I can use old verbiages now. I'm just giving myself a pass, okay? I have broken backs, and I'm using hoot. As a thing, I, so. I said you were from the 18th century earlier, so it's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I haven't listened to the the vegan one yet, but uh, the chess master, he's a very brilliant person, and he's yes. fun to listen to. He is good. Even yeah. if you don't like James. Yeah. So head over to uh, well, MergeConflict.fm, give us your feedback, share it, do all that stuff. I think that's about it, Frank. So until next time, this has been yet another glorious episode of Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.